Hebrew scripture reading this morning is from, or is about the call of Samuel. Samuel's a young boy, apprentice to the local uh, temple priest, and here's God calling, and there's this little drama of God calling Samuel, and Samuel thinking it's his uh, earthly master calling him, and going, here I am, I didn't call you. Um, you did, no I didn't, go back to sleep. Here's the call again. Back to Eli and says, Master, you called me. No, I didn't go back to sleep. The third time, Eli went, Oh, God is calling you. Here's what you do. You say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And um, the, the lectionary, of course, cuts out a lot of the more difficult bits of the Bible, so we don't have to spend all our time dealing with those every week. Um, I'll just put a nod. You should really read what the message is from God, because it's not very comfortable for Eli just told his kid to go listen to God. Eli's going to come to regret that uh, very shortly because the word of the Lord is against Eli and his house. So, um, so they, but, but we, we, we focus in this morning on the more positive aspect of the story, which is the whole question of call and vocation, where Samuel was meant to do something by God for the sake of Israel. And this is the story of how Samuel started listening to that and started understanding that he had a calling to serve God in this way. Now, the language of call and vocation is something that we use uh, a lot in our church life. It's kind of essential to our understanding of ministry. So uh, those of us who uh, wonder about serving the church in an official, professional way talk about a call to ministry, a call to priesthood, a vocation. And that's always been our language about it. Is, does God want you to do this ministry is the fundamental question. And we're tested against that. You know, it's not enough for me to say, I'm just getting a good feeling about this. I have to go and get the opinion of the rest of the church, which also has to agree that, yes, we're getting a good feeling about this too. And so together we discern the call. Um, the, the language of call and vocation uh, is particularly appropriate for monastic vocations, where I'm called to be a person of prayer for the rest of my life. Again, there's a similar, similar discernment process uh, which can take years of trying out life in a monastery as a possible and an acolyte, and uh, only after a good couple of years and the approval of the community, and particularly the abbot, the abbess, you get approved and you become, uh, become confirmed in your vocation as a religious, as a monastic. Now that's a very common use, and those of us that have been part of the church are used to that. We hear those, those words, we understand what the point is. We'd say there's some relationship between what Chris does and what Samuel does. And so Chris had to hear, heard God calling and respond to that call. Um, I submit to you, however, that it's a much broader and deeper question. Um, it's easy to talk about in terms of obviously spiritual priestly and applications. Um, it is just as relevant to every human being. Um, the, it is the fundamental question of the faith paradigm as opposed to the secular paradigm. The secular paradigm says we just exist. We are the products of our environment or our genetic makeup, and we go through life and we seek pleasure and we avoid pain, and if we have a good enough life, that's, that's as good a point as any. If there's any broader point, we're just essentially making it up on the go. Um, whereas the paradigm of faith says, no, you were created with a purpose. God had an idea about you before you were born. And part of the, uh, the journey of life would be the most important part is learning to figure that out. What did God intend when you were born? What's the 
point of your existence? What were you meant to do and to be? So the, the, the story of Samuel is not just relevant for those of us who may feel drawn to ordained ministry or explicit religious callings. Um, it is just as critical for anyone who is living out that faith paradigm. In fact, it is the fundamental difference between those of faith and those without faith. Those with faith have this sense that there's some point to all this. I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy, um, as some of you know, and stand-up comedians often bump into much deeper social and philosophical questions. Um, a lot of atheists stand up comics, uh, which makes me roll my eyes, but whatever, they're still funny. Um, but, but I just saw one recently, uh, which I think nailed it in that wonderfully succinct comedic way. He said, I'm not an atheist. What do you win? Nothing matters, and I'm cool. That's it, right? Like the, 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 that's the paradigm, the secular paradigm, is that nothing matters, nothing means anything. Ultimately, we're just wandering through life a product of our stimuluses and responses. Stimuli. Uh, and this, one, this, this is what I get without using my notes. If I had written it out, I would have gotten that right. <laughs> so so the, the question of call and vocation is the dividing line, is the par paradigm line. If there's no meaning to life, if it's just the product of forces of physics and biology and chaos and so on, then, then whatever we do is whatever. It doesn't ultimately matter. So you just do whatever you want. Or make it up as you go along. Or invent some meaning for yourself and maybe that works for you. On the other side of that dividing line is the paradigm of faith, where even though we may not have a direct line into what the purpose is, that's the question. The question is not that we're making up our purpose as we go along, we're trying to figure it out as we go along, and that makes all the difference. And of course, the, the, the mechanism is prayer. It's, it's holistic, you know, uh, and let me just quickly define prayer, quickly. Prayer, uh, prayer is being open to God, full stop. That's what prayer is. And there are various ways to be open to God, and there's a positive way and a negative way. So the positive way looks at all the actual things that are going on in creation and tries to interpret what God is saying through our interactions, through the people around us, through the natural world, through science, through all of all of the stuff. So we look at the stuff that God made and try to infer the meaning out of that. The negative way is to put all of that on the back shelf and just try to enter this space of silence where our consciousness uh, lets go of all of the created order and tries to hear the still, small voice of God. Those two are both valid, and I think they both need to exist. Uh, they're complementary, they're not, uh, they're not opposed to each other. But either way, the point is to listen for God. Speak Lord, for your servants listening is the question. And for Anglicans, of course, we don't, we're, we don't say, well, just read the Bible and you're done. We don't do that. We say, it's complicated than that. You have to read the Bible. You have to listen to the wisdom of the church and through the institution and the tradition. You have to listen to your heart. You have to pray. You have to talk to your friends. You have to read. Again, the more knowledge you have, the more information you have to go by. So the whole thing is tied up in the question of what was I meant to do and to be. And, for, and furthermore, who am I? What are my gifts? also an essential part of that question. But the passions and gifts and so on are a clue into what God made you to do and to be. It's not about you, it's about God. That's the 
other thing about the paradigm of faith, where when you're seeking what God's will is, it's never about you. So you can get to be Paul, and you can talk about how we have treasure in clay jars, and we're always beaten up, and we're suffering, and it's not fun, and it's totally worth it. Totally worth it. It's not about having a good time, being successful, being rich, being famous, being amazing. It's about living into the purpose that God has put before us. That is better than all of the kingdoms of this world. And again, that's a, that's a paradigm break. You can't cross that line from one side to the other. It's either do whatever you want and have a good time. I'm sorry I'm making it on the same side of the church. I don't mean anything to the bad people over here. So, 
when you are serious about discerning the will of God and following it, there will be opposition and resistance. Um, and in fact, there is never more opposition and resistance than, than when you genuinely are doing something that is good, that is not for you. That it can't be dismissed as merely self-serving. Um, because when it is genuine uh, goodness for its own sake, that throws into stark relief all the interests of those who are not working for genuine goodness. And because uh, there's even this psychic reality in their own head where they want to think of themselves as good people, the cognitive dissonance between what the true goodness is throwing into stark relief becomes too much for them and they have to stop where the dissonance comes from. And so we squash. We squash the ones that tell us the uncomfortable truths. We, 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 uh, we oppose them, we try to destroy them because what we don't want is to feel bad. And that's ultimately what happens in, in those kinds of situations. And so we get back to the treasure and plagiarize that. Why? It will always involve suffering to pursue God's will because there will always be opposition. And even so, it's still worth it. It's still worth it. Um, I learned this as a kid. It was, it was the difference between having the experience and giving others the experience. Giving others the experience much harder, totally better, totally better than receiving the experience. Uh, and I learned that at 15, and it's been true ever since. But that's the difference between living on the purpose. It's, it's also the truest expression of who we are as human beings. We are meaning makers. What we do. We don't just live, we don't just respond to stimuli. We're not single cell animals that just work on our patterns. We interpret our experience, we make meaning of it, and it's the meaning that determines what we do and what our experience even is. Um, a, 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 a source of pain in my body could mean that someone has done violence to me, or it could mean uh, it could be something that I didn't even notice because I was having such a great time playing a sport. Um, any number of contexts could change the meaning of what that pain is, and thereby my experience of it and the point of it. Um, we make meaning that is who and what we are. So to live into the meaning is a more true expression of who we are as human beings than anything else that we do. This gives us some indication as to why living into the meaning is better than having a good time. There's a, there is a deep emptiness in having a good time. All the time. And we've seen it over and over again. You think that's what everyone's working for. Um, and yet, it is it fundamentally does not satisfy. The, the thing that satisfies is living into the purpose. So, I commend the example, the example of Samuel to you. Um, and Samuel says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. The question for each of us is, how do we do that? How do each of us say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening? It could be a cell phone call. <laughs> <laughs>